0: welcome ladies and gentlemen to the film odyssey podcast me and my brother on a trek to find the best films ever made and this week we're talking about a clockwork orange but before we begin we'd like to give a shout out to the film history the history of film podcast we're going to be dropping the trailer somewhere along this episode so listen out for that but randy a clockwork orange
1: so i i already i got like Kind of a thing. I want to. want to get off my chest already. You know? Real, real like quick. A, my my initial thoughts on the film. Yes. You know. For
0: those that don't know, we finished watching these movies like five minutes before we record these episodes.
1: Yeah, and I don't think I've ever seen this film all the way through. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've seen every part of this movie
0: in an in some order. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um. I think this is okay. Here, look, I got to make a food analogy because okay. food analogies are the best analogies. Yes. And We can't talk about anything without comparison on the show. Correct, correct. Um, Everything's a spice or or a flavor. This movie is like you go to a really fancy restaurant for the first time. I mean like a $200 steak type of like real fancy shit for the first time, right? You know, you go there, you're with some people that you like kind of know, but you're not like super close to them. You know, you've been invited to like a business dinner. Yes. You go there, you know, it's a really nice place, all the uh, the staff is really nice, you know, the people are like, yeah, they're, they're all right, you know, I, I could talk to these people for like the couple hours we have to sit at dinner. Uh, you're convinced by, you know, the person sitting next to you and the, the waiter's recommendation to to get the the halibut, you know, the $250 halibut. Yes. Or whatever, some really nice fish, you know, uh-huh. they bring it out, they get it to you, you take your bite and you're like, I never really saw myself as a fish man i i i don't like this at all
0: oh
1: <laughs> well not at all you're like i can appreciate it i, I can you can appreciate it as, i can as appreciate an art- you know it looks amazing the presentation everything here is really nice but uh can i eat this <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's, everything about the movie is great you except wanna... it's not very watchable
0: this has been called a disturbing film, mm-hmm. and it has been said as a hard watch for a lot of reasons. It's it's also very controversial.
1: Yeah. This is a very difficult film to have a casual watch of. I think that's kind of how I feel about it. It's it's not a very casual movie in, all, in any sense. Yeah. Like, this movie demands to be poured over. To, it demands to be, like, really analyzed analyzed you know it it it's it's a demanding movie of its audience
0: and it's also a very i would say a masterfully done film for what it it is is
1: like ever like all like the cinematography the sound design the edit like everything about this movie is masterfully crafted but like, here, let me, let me reverse that analogy. It's like they, you know, they, they bring, you know, like how they had the silver cover over the food, right? Yeah. They bring it out to you, and, like, everything has been so amazing at this point. The wine's great, all this. <laughs> and then they flip the thing up, and it's just, like, a little action figure giving you, like, two <laughs> middle fingers, you know? I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Everything was great up until this point, but the real meat of my meal here is giving me the bird. It
0: uh, The meat of your meal is the, just... Enjoyment factor of the film, yeah, entertainment.
1: The, well, the 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 meat there, like, cause that I mean, at its heart, at like the base of a medium is entertainment, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you get into because, weird conversations of expression, artistic well, I, expression. I know, like and, the art- artistic
1: yeah. expression, but like everybody's basic understanding of film is something you watch for enjoyment. Like at its very base, like when you were a kid, you didn't watch movies to analyze them yeah yeah like you watch uh, toy story because it's fun (laughs) yeah the the basics of
0: like a uh, of like i guess the art form or the medium of film is to watch it and enjoy it or get something out of the watch yeah i think you can get a lot out of this watch like this film has meat but it is something you can't like watching it casually i think watching it casually i think you were a psychopath yeah. If you put this on and being like, yo, I'm just gonna chill with the boys, have a couple brews, and watch a clockwork orange, and I'm like, you your, friend, your friends are psychopaths. Cause I've heard people be like, Oh, you know, oh you know, Alex DeLarge is so cool and blah blah blah. I'm like, he is a fucking monster. And that's kind of the point of the movie is it's to got show style. Oh, don't get me wrong, like Malcolm McDowell is the his, most charming motherfucker on the planet.
1: His character's like, I think pretty well written. Yeah. Um very well acted.
0: But Very. it's just
1: one of these things where it's like the whole movie is uh, is following like a abhorrent person, mm. and I I don't think I can really this movie is done so well that I don't think I can like put it against it in anything other than well it just makes the movie not uh, casually entertaining. But I don't like this movie is good enough to where it's like I don't think it's a mark against it.
0: It's in any other in
1: any other category. I know it's intentional, but. Okay. The intentionality there will still give it a mark in that category. Yes, I get you. I get you. <laughs> like, I get you, know, you. It, it has your, its your, consequence. In your final
0: grading, it will come up.
1: It will come up, but everything else is not disparaged because of it. Which it could have been. The character could have been badly written, but it's not. It's true. You know? It's
0: true. Alex Delarge. You follow him. He. It's like following Ted Bundy, where you know he's a monster, but he's. Still got, like... He's still a really charming conversation. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I enjoyed the conversation, but I know he just wants to, like, eat me. Yes. It's it's kind of like that. Like, that's Alex Delarge as a character. He's played by Malcolm McDowell in probably his most iconic performance, I would argue.
1: I don't really know him from anything else.
0: Um, He's got... He got much bigger as, like, a, a, an older actor. He was in Heroes. He was, he was in a bunch of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's, it's a thing where, you know, you...
1: His career got kind of like pushed away because of this movie. I'm assuming it. He was relegated for a few years, being like, you know, that movie was kind of. I don't know if you should have done that. <laughs>
0: well, maybe, maybe not like that harshly, but this movie was a huge controversial mush up.
1: You know, I got I okay. Got some notes. So, so <laughs> I want. So, I'm assuming you have both like the critical and public sentiment sentiment here. I want to hear it.
0: Okay. Okay. Right off the bat, the film on its release. It made money. You know, this movie wasn't a, like, financial bomb.
1: Okay, but did it cost a lot to make?
0: It cost $1 million, $1. $1.3 for 1971. This is Stanley Kubrick's attempt at making basically a low-budget film.
1: I'm like, that That sounds pretty cheap. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, dirt cheap. Yes. This, even now, like, just for that inflation, does not it, not like mm-hmm. it does not look cheap. It does not. Okay, because the movie's production history is weird, Okay, because Stanley Kubrick wanted to make his Napoleon biopic. He wanted to make this big, grandiose uh, Napoleon film. It was going to go through his entire life. He spent, like, a decade researching the guy. And the guy and the producers were like, we're not giving you this much money, because every one of your films not only goes over budget, but you go over time, and you're making a film for, like nine months when we budgeted three mm-hmm. so we're not gonna do it and he's like look guys give me a million dollars i'll bring it in under budget and on time come on and so he made this as his basically his indie film of his career i see and it's a pretty fucking good film for how cheap well, yeah, it is well, all all like really well everything done. else.
1: like i would assume that this was a normally
0: budgeted movie yeah, yeah like 20 million dollars mm-hmm. something like that but yeah no like 1.3 it makes 114 at the box office okay but
1: did he come in under time though
0: he did he really? Actually, it's the only film in Kubrick's entire catalog he actually came in on schedule. Oh, Literally yeah. the only film, by the way. Not a day. Even the ones he, pr- he did himself, he did not come in under time. Oh, of course not. Of course fucking not. Hunter take Kubrick over here. Yes. But the, when the film also gets released, the film played in England, and it played there for a little bit, and then it gets banned. It got because banned? It got banned in England. Oh,
1: I can see why.
0: Yeah. It basically was, oh, there's Wait, kids.
1: This comes out in when? 71. 71, okay.
0: Yeah, the film releases in 1971 and comes out there and, oh, there's a bunch of kids mimicking the film, you know, all being all hoodlums and shit. Uh, Kubrick bans it. then Well, Kubrick bans it? Kubrick personally pulls the film. Oh, really? Yeah, he would have pulled it in America too, but the American distributors didn't, couldn't do that. He was able to pull it in England. Okay. and after released, Less theaters. Less theaters. And after releasing it, he was like, he kind of regretted it because he realized that people were pulling different things than he wanted out of the film they saw the disturbing you know monstrous alex delarge and saw him as cool guy and not monster that should be analyzed Mm -hmm. so it was the scarface effect right like tony montana is not a guy you should look up to yeah but you have a bunch of people who don't get the meaning of the film just trying to be tony montana
1: well, yeah, that's the thing with the surface level viewing of the film is that, like, Alex DeLarge is this person that does bad things, gets punished for it, but in the end, doesn't. Not really, no. Yeah, no, he, he like, he, he doesn't get a redemption arc, his public image does. This film has a,
0: okay, the themes of this film are, like, the juiciest part about it for me, because the movie talks about free will, it talks about perception, it talks about public image, it talks about politics, politics society in even like like um experimental psychology the movie has a lot of meat to it but i think the main philosophical argument of the film is can you be a moral person if you
1: have no free will also you, you know it's a perfect description of another, another analogy another, another food, analogy another food analogy bring this, the plates out this movie's like a fucking meatloaf it looks like shit but it tastes great and there's a lot of it damn right it is is this the is this the the Blade Runner
0: pyramid where it looks like one thing at the top and it just gets bigger and wider as you go down? Yeah,
1: except it doesn't look good at
0: all. That, that,
1: that Well, that, I mean, like... the movie looks good. Okay, let me let me. It looks good, but it's it's just hard on the eyes, you know. Even though that it is also a feast for the eyes, it's, it's a little hard to look at. Th- uh,
0: yeah, like I mean, I think the um the the scene the R word scene at the beginning of the movie. I think that's been voted top ten most disturbing sequences of all time. I know it was on. It was that like a couple of years ago. I don't know now, yeah. but yeah, there's a few moments in this film where it is a little difficult to watch. That that one being the the main a number one, and it comes like ten minutes into the fucking movie, which thanks Kubrick for really putting that shit. Well, there's way two in the front. of them
1: in the fucking movie. Yeah, three, four.
0: I don't know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talking about the old in-out-in-out in, out in the... In the, yeah, the old
1: in out and out
0: Yeah. But, like, the main theme of this movie, it's like, can you be a moral person if you have no free will? And, I just want to throw that onto the table, you know, slide the steak across, you know, the liquor across, you know, take have you take a sip. What do you think of it?
1: Can you be a moral person if you have no free will? In some senses, yes. Yeah, I mean, sure, you could do moral acts without your own... Of, not your own free will i mean that's what like um calvinist determinism is
0: that you have no
1: free will that yeah everything is determined by god like it's all predetermined right It's predeterminism Mm. but you can still do moral acts god has just determined that you will
0: looking at it through other Uh, forms of christian and catholicism is that you know god's gift to humanity was free will and it was choice and the movie is talking more, I think, more along those lines than like determinism. Yeah. Because like we spend the first half of the movie seeing Alex be like, what he if he is free to choose, he is evil. Yes. And he is only moral because he cannot choose to be evil. Yes. You know, once you were... his
1: free will has been taken away from him,
0: and it's it's just a really interesting thought in this film. Where so, is is that even a good thing to so do to someone like him? I think
1: this is what the film does. At first, Alex has free will. He's a bad guy. Yeah. So it's a fact, though. Free will bad. You're right. Then it goes, okay. Free will bad. There, therefore, determinism good. You know, he gets reformed, right? You know, he can no longer do bad because he has no free will. Free yeah. will bad. And then it goes, well, actually, free like him. You know, not having his free will, not being able to defend himself or anything like that, is not good either. Yeah. You know, he gets beat up by um his former colleagues. Yes. His his former uh you know And he can't do anything vandals. about it. Because, like, he he gets know. it basically imprisoned by Frank and the gang mm-hmm. and he can't do anything. he can't defend himself because of the treatment by the Ludovico treatment. So obviously determinism or uh lack of free will bad. But then in the hospital he gets his free will back. And free will bad again, hmm. It's it's the, it's the
0: it's the thing where it's like you know it, it's a very complicated thing because it's also talking about what do you do with I guess the quote unquote unrehabilitable repeat criminals people who are just
1: who do given the choice will always choose yeah Nah I'm gonna go rob that liquor store you know
0: or, or like sadist or saying things like that yeah you know what what
1: legitimate you, psychos
0: legitimate psychopaths what do you do with people like that if say the death penalty's not on the table or or like permanent incarceration isn't on the table because the movie well, makes per- it Well, the
1: thing about permanent incarceration is that you know um, uh, um the accountant looks at it and goes well this is real fucking expensive here
0: <laughs> that, they bring that up in the movie you know the whole political thing which is a real political thing at least where we live mm-hmm. where prisons are getting, getting full we need to find a way around this mm-hmm. you know and their Ludovico treatment is like oh we can do this experimental method and experiment on these prisoners and collaborate. We can
1: get these prisoners back out into society, back out into the into the job force, you know, start making money again, paying taxes. <laughs> Taxation. uh Well, I mean, that's that's just a fact, you know. The yeah, accountant yeah. looks at that and goes, Holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> exactly. You're telling me that only for however much the Ludovico treatment costs, you know, let's say five thousand dollars. A victim,
0: <laughs> a victim, not a subject. a Victim,
1: <laughs> five thousand dollars a victim. We can get this bitch back out into society, paying taxes for the next forty-five years. This is amazing. Yeah, things and slice fucking bread here to the accountant. It's
0: just one of those things where I don't know. Like every time I watch this movie, because I've seen it, a, I've seen it a
1: few times. Oh, you've probably seen it a bunch of times.
0: Yeah. And... Like, it's just, I'm a huge, like, Stanley Kubrick fan, but it's always a thing where, like, I watch this You movie. watch the
1: rest of them <laughs> more than this?
0: Yeah, I'll put it to you like that. Like, 2001, Dr. Strangelove, uh, Barry Lyndon, Pass of Glory, those are more my bag. In regards clockwork I'm like, uh, it's in the rotation, but uh, it's spaced out a little bit. It's just like the film's themes, I think are just so juicy to chew on. Oh
1: yeah, like they're pouring out of this movie. Like the the movie can hardly contain them. It's just chock full of them. It's probably the most thematically stuffed movie we've talked about so far. Where it's
0: literally bursting out of the scenes.
1: Yeah, it it's, it piles them on. This is like a nine layer cake here. This is ridiculous. Oh, but um, but where where do you want to,
0: I guess, navigate this boat? Or actually, what what's the next meal you want to order off the menu? Since this is a food analogy now,
1: it's always a, it's always a food analogy. We all we, we can never talk on. I've noticed this last time we had an episode. We can never talk about anything without comparing comparing it to something else. It's a thing. you know? <laughs> it's, it's, this is the easiest way to do it. I just thought it was like a food for thought type of food. for, for thought. Fucking food for thought type of shit.
0: God you know? damn it, Randy!
1: <laughs> it, can't, it can't be helped. Just go to
0: culinary school already. <laughs>
1: There's just so many different things to talk about in this. I mean, like, there's also, like, the hierarchy he has with him and his droogs, right? Oh, 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 you know what? No, no. I want to talk about the language in the movie. The, the, the... The the NADSTAT?
0: What? That's, okay, that's the, the language that they use in in the the film. in, In the book and in the film. It's called NADSTAT, which is a combination of Cockney slang, Russian slang weird like other just like random slang terms that have just been muddled together because it's supposed to be a future dystopian world
1: okay so this is like a fictional thing created by the, like the book
0: yeah created by the author and it's been rather faithfully brought over into the movie oh i could tell that it was faithfully done i, yeah. I could fucking tell you fucking tell yeah i actually i actually read the book the book's the book's really good it's, it's is also, it as hard
1: to read as this
0: um in terms of like the what's happening or yeah. like the language Oh cuz like what's happening? Oh it it's very faithful to the book. I mean I or see. it's very faithful to the movie. Yeah, it's a little it's a, a little hard, rough around the edges. Little rough around the edges, but again, it's just as thought provoking. Yeah. The film definitely is adding a lot more like layers onto it cuz like the oh, political really? stuff that's going on, that's way more engrossed in the book. The book also really only focuses on the moral argument of free will um and doesn't really branch out as much. Not not as much as like my last reading of it, which is, I'll admit, has been a couple of years. But yeah, it's um, it it's the same beast. It's just when you watch the movie, it definitely feels like there's more, there's more um, frosting on the cake. Mm-hmm. The the bases are the same, but also the book has an extra chapter that is basically ruins the entire thing. So
1: at the end, I'm assuming
0: at the end ruins the entire thing. That's not in the movie.
1: Would you like to describe
0: this? So the last chapter, I think it's chapter twenty one. Where it flashes forward like five years, right? And Alex is now at a bar, and he sees his one of the one drug we don't see beat him up as a police officer, Pete. Mm-hmm. And he sees that Pete has like grown up, moved on. He has like a kid and a and a wife now. And Alex suddenly is like, you know, I did kind of grow out of that old yada yada. I think I might find a you know a good bird to settle down with and live a live my own life. It basically fucking. Pussies out at the end Instead of making a Like the statement That this movie does Where it's just As is mm-hmm. It tries to be like Well Alex He got better
1: He got better He got better uh, That is yeah. kind of That's pretty fucking lame Yeah That's it, it, rude. it was
0: forced into uh, The public By the publishers Because they were they like were You like, can't put this out Like this dog <laughs> Yeah But I think that in the, I think in the American version They took out that last chapter So As, as you do But Yes. I the don't... language is is interesting.
1: I like it a lot. You I'm d- not going to lie. You do. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like 1984 and stuff like that. Really? Okay, I haven't read 1984. You've never you haven't read 1984. I've never had the chance. Yeah, they, they with have... all the
0: weird shit I read, you think I'd got around oh to it. Oh my god. It's <laughs>
1: like one of the most important books written in fucking the 20th century, but, um... I'm working my way to it, dog. Uh, you haven't been reading fucking The Trial and Death of Socrates. Bro, that shit's ass. 60 fucking pages. And it's can't...
0: dense. It's <laughs> denser than The Lord of the Rings. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's pretty... D- I'm not... I'm, okay, it's not dense than The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay, it's, 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 I'll, it's... I'll go it's with The Hobbit. Dense. I'll go okay, the, it's, dense it's, yeah, the Hobbit. Yeah, probably dense than The Hobbit. But, anyways... Fuck, what were you talking about? What was the... What were you <laughs> we're, we're getting around to it. Okay,
0: it was, um... Oh, uh, the language of the film.
1: The language... Okay, oh, yeah, 1984. Yeah, in 1984, they have, like, their own language they speak or whatever. I, I, I don't remember what, what it's called. But it... Uh, it, it new, I think it's just called Newspeak or Newspeak or something, something like that. But it, it's like... Um, but, yeah, it's, like... It's not that thematically similar with this movie in, like, the way that the characters talk, but it is, like, one of those, like, made-up languages for, like, a dystopian future. Mm -hmm. So I do draw some similarities there, but that one's more, it's a forced language, while this one's, like, they're kind of, like, living on this underbelly of society, and that's where the language comes from.
0: And these, you know, and the the main characters, the droogs we see, they're really the only ones that speak it, and even Alex speaks not only in this NASDAQ, he also speaks really flowery, like Mm -hmm. he's in a Shakespeare play, like, a lot of thous and, and doses and this, yes. which I, I kind of love.
1: Oh, it's great. It, <laughs> it is, it, it is it, so good. It's, it's one of those things you're
0: watching him and you're like, Malcolm McDowell, you are chewing the scenery, but it's beautiful. Please it's don't so stop. It's so good.
1: I mean, it shows his, the characters, like, want to be sophisticated. He listens to Beethoven's Ninth a lot. Yeah. He fucking loves Beethoven. You know, he this want to be this rich, sophisticated man. But he's, at his core, this hooligan, you know? And by
0: the time we get to the end of the film, it's implied he's going to have some sort of, like, political pull. Is, is that trying to draw a parallel to, to, like, politicians? Where, oh, all these guys are, you know, pomp and circumstance in front of the cameras. But behind the scenes, they're, like, as sadistic as him. They're the ones who were like, fuck it, put him in the fucking weird Nazi chamber. And just like, yeah, whatever pops out, pops out. Fuck it.
1: Yeah, of course. Give me oh, another line of if you can make that, like, th- that, um... Draw com- that parallel. Draw that parallel between the two. I mean, it's... I mean, especially nowadays. Yeah. We don't want to get too politically here, but... Not a politics podcast. But not a politics podcast. Uh, catch us on our other podcast, uh, Politics Now. No, i just joking. No, God, no. Just joke Don't look that up. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Please don't but it yeah you can very much make that dis- that like parallel where the politicians are all on their outside trying to be these big flowery intellectual people and at their horror, or at their heart they're just other criminals <laughs> yeah i mean
0: and the other thing is you also have the the point that they make where well, also- well alex you come from a good home good parents but we see his parents and they're i guess they're like
1: middle class you would say up No, they class. both work. Yeah, yeah. so it's and but they're just but they, not but very they don't attentive? Li- They don't live in a house though. They live in an apartment. Yeah. In like so... an apartment
0: block that looks like a fucking Soviet block with a bunch of dicks on the wall. Yes. <laughs> it was just Okay. Funny. The, movie, the movie's kinda of funny. In some weird. parts
1: it's it's kinda of funny, yes.
0: You can see <sighs> this as a little bit of a black comedy in some parts. Oh, I
1: can't remember. There was one scene in the movie that I thought was fucking hilarious, but I don't remember what it was.
0: There was one scene that you thought yeah, was funny. Yeah, I
1: thought it was fucking funny as hell, but I can't remember what it was.
0: Oh, was it him, um, all dressed as a Roman soldier, helping Jesus oh, on the cross? yes!
1: That, yes, that is the, I thought that shit was so good, so fucking funny. I had to
0: think of the moment, like, where was the moment where Randy started fucking howling? Oh, oh yeah, my
1: god. That shit is just done, and he's all dressed up in the Roman gear, too. And you see Jesus, and, and it's like, like perfect. Yeah, you see Jesus, and it's like this nice portrayal of him where he's just very solemn, going through the you're dragging the cross to his crucifixion, and, and then, then, it then just Malcolm hands
0: M- over. And it's Malcolm McDowell with this the shading and grin. He's just
1: fucking li- like living his best life, dude. He's, he's got the whip in the fucking Roman gear, and he's just fucking all smiles, whipping <laughs> Jesus. It, it's so funny <laughs> and the fucking
0: voiceover, and he's like, "I fantasize about this every day. Yeah, uh, it this really gets me through. It's it. The movie is kind of funny.
1: It, it is kind of funny. Also, that that whole kind of scene there is like a a commentary on like uh, Bible studies, almost on pe- the people that get too infatuated with the big epic parts of the of the like the Old Testament, you know." Where, where it's... Um, the, the Roman battles and the sex and shit? Yeah, like, yeah. Where he, he describes it in the movie where it's like, you know, the old and outs and the ultra-violence that happens occasionally. And the people that come away from the big book, as they say in the movie, um, with that kind of idea. They come away with the, like, oh, you know, all the, like, preachy shit near the end of the New Testament. Eh, eh whatever. But the whole... The old in-out and the (laughs) ultra-violence in the Old Testament. I can really go with that.
0: Alright, level down. That's literally what happened with this movie, is people only took the exciting first half and didn't take the second half where it got a little preachy.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the movie uh, does commentate on surface-level readings, you know, and that, I mean, Stanley Kubrick pulled the movie because most people were only getting surface-level readings out of it. Yeah, they're only getting the elementary readings out of it.
0: Elementary, my dear plebeians.
1: Sorry, I was I was reading how to read a book today.
0: Ah, uh, how how was that? How's learning to read by reading a book? It's per- it's a really good book. Neato.
1: I would very much recommend.
0: I would also like to recommend the film history, the history of film oh, podcast. Oh my god! There's the segue. Watch the trailer.
1: Welcome to Film History, the History of Film.
0: I'm James. And I'm Drake. And I'm Devin. And we're the hosts of Film History, the History of Film. Each week, we take a deep dive into some old Hollywood history that you've probably never heard about. But it's not like your high school film class. We're cracking jokes and goofing off the entire time. It's history told our way for all audiences, From the ill-informed to the savants of cinema. Yeah, we tell you about James Cagney almost getting his head blown off because, well, you know, back in the 30s, you were allowed to just shoot machine guns at your leading man. And wait until you hear the episode about Waterworld. Or how the world's first vampire movie was made by real occultists and some Nazis. And there's plenty more little-known Hollywood lore out there, legends and facts. So if you join us every Wednesday, Wherever you listen to podcasts, I promise it will be a good time. Yeah, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Just look for Film History. The History of Film! Alright, but um, where, where do we want to, I guess, well, direct this track?
1: I directed it last time. Where where are you going now? You, you got the wheel.
0: I, I got the wheel? Okay, let's I just gotta gotta throw it out here. Kubrick's a master, and this movie is is a masterpiece. Can we just talk about the direction of this film? Because this is a unique fucking movie to watch, right?
1: Yes, very uh, much so. And it it is a feast for the eyes. I mean, like... With, uh, with how
0: cheap the budget is, this movie should not look as good as it does.
1: Oh, I mean... Well, okay, a million dollars isn't cheap to a lot of people. But, I mean, to the big film industry, that's pretty fucking cheap. That is
0: pretty fucking cheap. I mean, even for, like, 71, um, god, I, I want to say, like, what other movie did we watch in 71? I think The French Connection cost, like, three or four.
1: Yeah, and that movie looked kind of crummy at places.
0: Yeah, this? That,
1: that looked nearly as crummy. And, and The French Connection was, um, done without, bu- um, what's permits. it called? It was done without permits or anything. They just fucking shot, and I'm sure Stanley Cooper at least got some permits.
0: <laughs> you would think so. You would think so. But, Watching this movie, it's just, it's really hard to describe it because the movie should be, like, by genre, like an exploitation film. Oh, yeah. Like, this is a movie where it's like, okay, this is like a hills have eyes kind of thing where it should be, like, grimy, gritty, and, like, kind of nasty on and all over the edges. But you watch and it's so, like, sterile in some places. And I think, like, and yeah, Kubrick then, has a penchant of being a genre filmmaker.
1: The only places that are, like, dirty in the movie is, like, around Alex DeLarge's, like, apartment, are they, like, even, like, underneath the bridge isn't even dirty. There just happens to be a homeless guy there, you know? Like, and there's no, there's not, the like... And also,
0: shadows, by the way, under the bridge. Oh, Those yeah. Those deep fucking silhouettes. I'm oh, like... yeah. Ugh. Oh, my it's, eyes. But it's,
1: like, like, there's no trash or anything around. There's no, like, cardboard, like, there's the abandoned cinema, which is pretty trashed. Yeah. There's Alex DeLarge's, like, outside of his apartment, because inside of his apartment isn't even trashed either. Yeah. And that's like the only like dirty places in the whole movie. Yeah, where the movie's making a point that this is a
0: a dirty, crummy, um, a like dystopian world. Everything else is like pretty like clean, sterile. Yeah, and and the other thing is, I'm even talking about the camera direction, right? Mm -hmm. Because the movie doesn't have like the film's not very grainy. It doesn't look like you know, oh, this is shot in like grimy 16 millimeter. Put you in the action, you know, and we're like whipping in and out. The movie. The movie feels almost, um, like, documentarian. Like, he's just, like, following these characters. Yeah. And watching the chaos that unfolds around them.
1: Yeah, even when it gets a little bit more... I mean, I'm, I'm sure they didn't do, like, handheld, but, like, more in that sense in the movie. When we get a couple shots like that. Even then, it seems pretty professional. Yeah. You know, they're not really, like, fucking winging it, you know? You want to know the... It's b- very deliberate. You want to know the best
0: winging it of the movie? What? You know when Alex falls out the window and it cuts and it's the the camera, like, falling into the ground? You know how they did that? They just threw the camera out the window. Just chucked a 16 out the window. <laughs> put the lens on and chucked the fucker out a third-story window right into the ground. Nice. Three cameras later, they got the shot.
1: I'm su- I'm sure the thing that happened to the first two cameras is that they, like, flipped over and looked up. You would think. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. They were like, hey, you know, I think, I think the aerodynamics of this thing, it's just going to look up every time. And Stanley's like... Try another camera.
0: No, Kubrick's <laughs> probably like, we could strap a PA to it, and they're like, "No, Stanley, <laughs> just strap no." A PA to He's it. like, "We got plenty of
1: PAs." <laughs> just saying, just saying. Yeah, we could get an intern on that thing.
0: I, I also want to talk about about this. I guess this is like a, a level beyond this because we didn't get a chance to talk about it in Spartacus. Okay. Stanley Kubrick as a director, um, asshole or genius? Both. 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 Both definitely
1: yes <laughs> yes
0: okay because he's you know i think it's a thing where people idolize the fact that oh he's so meticulous and is such a perfectionist but he's like but well, he yeah. hurt like um malcolm mcdowell in this movie like he telling did. people just yeah just beat him up so it looks right or he scratched his cornea when they did the fucking like yeah, so eye they thing. Did
1: the ludovico treatment and it's like he also Terry eyes Shelley Duvall in in the Shining. In the Shining.
0: Also the the scene in this movie, he made that actress do it like three fucking times, three or four times until she just left set. And, and he was
1: like, ah, "I guess we'll just use that shot." She no,
0: he got another actress.
1: Oh god. Yeah.
0: So I mean, like it, it's a thing where he's very particular and he makes quality work, but man, it's it's uh,
1: he's uh, he he doesn't take a compromise well. Does not. Does not well i mean he, he does get good movies out of it uh some of
0: the best i would argue i mean this this if, even for being a hard watch i would say this is a great film this is like a masterpiece i would say it's a greatly done film greatly done film
1: oh yeah it was masterfully crafted
0: as as a craftsman you know oh yeah
1: like as one craftsman appreciating you know another's you know it, that, that was what like how i would try and view through that lens this movie use that 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 theory you know that critical theory yeah view the view the movie through a lens the lens being the craftsmanship of the movie and just kubrick
0: kubrick i would argue is one of the greatest craftsmen of cinema his movies usually a mac cinematography this, this
1: is the kind of guy yeah. you pay two thousand dollars to hand make your shoes you know he makes some damn good shoes he makes Some fucking good shoes
0: but i i just wanted to bring that up because kubrick Kind of became... Is a little bit of a controversial figure in that whole sphere.
1: Well, I mean, he made this movie, which was pretty controversial. Yeah. He terrorized Shelley Duvall. Pretty controversial. He made,
0: made Tom Cruise walk through a door 200 times. Yes. Filmed every one. He wasted...
1: He, to, he was... Tom Cruise was in a...
0: Eyes Wide Shut. His last
1: uh, film. Also, Eyes Wide Shut being a, a whole... Um, nest of conspiracy theories. Uh, um,
0: is it about the moon landing? Is it about, uh, Hollywood? Is it about politics? What's it all about? It's, it's just an Alex Jones episode. That, yeah.
1: Talk, if we were to talk about Eyes Wide Shut, this would get very Alex Jones real quick. <laughs> but uh, back, back to the, the movie at hand from Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Where he did scratch, um, um, Alec McDowell's cornea. Yeah. Kind of rough. Kind of rough. Kinda rough. And... Like I, I appreciate
0: the work. It's just, man. Like, can you call him a dick, like an asshole?
1: Because I feel he, d- oh, he didn't. Yeah, because I'm sure, I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he didn't fucking care. <laughs> like, <laughs> when you scratched Malcolm McDowell's carney he's like, "Well, the dude get the shot." Yeah, you know, get the shot, get the shot. You know, fucking uh, what? what um, Shelley Duvall from The Shiny is like in her trailer, like pulling out her hair, or whatever. No, and he's she like... didn't pull her hair out. Her hair fell out, out. because yeah. of stress because she was so stressed he's he's like yo can we dye those gray hairs they weren't there yesterday <laughs> he, that was, i think that's the, my favorite part
0: about the shining and i know it's fucked up but it's just like he he started being like just really petty to shelly duvall just to make her feel more alienated for the role god and I'm it's like, just
1: like that stuff is like you know you're there's a line and you have prostitutes sir you're just being a dick right you could tell her like it's just for the role like i don't mean it But I'm like, I'm not even sure if he ever apologized.
0: Oh, I know he didn't.
1: I know (laughs) he he didn't. I know for a fact he didn't. Just to keep the air of him alive, you know. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And I mean, granted, Shelley Duvall has gone on being like, "It's my best performance," and I'm like, "Don't forgive your abuser, Shelley."
1: Well, I mean, she's being real. (laughs) Yeah, I,
0: I know. I know. It's just one of those things where. You know, because it's like, I think Kubrick's one of the best directors of all time. I think he's probably, like, my favorite director. Cause, like, well, I know he's your favorite director. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's like, it's it's a hard I thing I think to he's know really good,
1: too, but it's, you know... It's, it is what... I, I have to go with the my usual approach on stuff like this. It is what it is. He's really good, and also kind of a dick. It is what it is. You, you know, know, his movies are really good.
0: And back to the Clockwork Orange. I guess the movie uh, at hand.
1: One of his good movies. I would say it's a... I would say it's a, it's a good movie. O- overall, a amazing movie on craftsmanship and an, it's it's whatever for a watch. It as a flick, eh, I'd watch other things. As as a film, pretty good as cinema, really fucking good.
0: It it's the thing where this is a a hard um recommendation in any line. Yeah, I
1: probably unless you're like really interested in craftsmanship, I wouldn't recommend this movie. I guess where
0: where does that lead us here? Just into like the craftsmanship or, or like, the entertainment factor of the movie?
1: We can talk a little bit about both. A little bit about, like, what, what did we actually find entertaining about the movie? Can we bring it up a little bit in that regard?
0: Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell's Alex the Lodge is one of the most, like, charismatic, one of the most engaging. Gripping. Gripping, and also one of the most sadistic characters in, in cinema.
1: He, True, he is malcolm mcdowell puts on a fucking performance as alex at the large and he's so good even the voiceover work is good which
0: like you've got a thing about voiceover work right like sometimes you're like this is a little little cheesy no matter what it is
1: yeah voiceover work i mean usually i i give voiceover work a little bit of a benefit of a doubt even though i know it's kind of bad i know it's i know that Stingo and sophie's choice You know, I know it's a little cheesy, but I give it the benefit of the doubt, you know. I understand its drawbacks, but in this it works on all fronts. It's just good. Like there's no disparaging comments I can give it. It's not cheesy, you know. It's
0: it's all it's, it's all great. on theme, it's all on character. It's great. It's great voiceover, it's great dialogue.
1: It's a great dialogue, yeah. Even though the dialogue is also he wrote or who who wrote who wrote the screenplay for this? Was it Stanley? Uh
0: who wrote this? I believe yeah, Stanley Kubrick wrote the screenplay.
1: So yeah, he fucking nailed it with the dialogue, incorporating that. What what are you?
0: Nasdaq.
1: Nasdaq. Yeah, he nailed it with the dialogue, having to incorporate that into it, and then somehow made it all. I mean, it's like all I, fucking coherent. Yeah, it's coherent. I understand what the characters are talking about, even though they're speaking basically a foreign fucking language. They're, they're speaking fucking nonsense. Yeah, but We're, I kind i I can get the gist of what they're saying. You know, they're talking about having the old in out and out with the. <laughs> oh god what do they call the women
0: uh the door do dose do- 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 chicks
1: something like that but like yeah, I, I, kick I him I could, in the yabbles. i could yeah kick him in the yarbles. if you got any yabbles, mm-hmm. yeah and i kind of i can get what they're talking about which is insane you know it's like i really like <laughs> the f- pure visual cinematic language he lets yeah. you
0: understand the language
1: <laughs> i mean in that respect it's like sunrise in that respect where it's like I can understand the, what the characters are saying with less context than I'm used to, which honestly is again back like the craftsmanship of this movie. Visually,
0: the movie works on on levels like that. There's some instances where I'm like I can I can kind of turn off the audio and I can still probably vibe and figure out what's going on here. I mean, a lot. I of, don't know if I can turn it, it off. Yeah,
1: without there's some, some
0: sections you okay, can definitely sections,
1: do Sections, yes. But anytime Malcolm McDowell's talking, no, you need the audio. You're on. like, I just,
0: I need to hear this <laughs> yeah, I guy. I need
1: to hear it. Yeah, it, I think uh, the movie would make so much less sense without Alex Delarge talking.
0: I like, mean, I, I know.
1: could, you could almost listen to the movie more than you could watch it. <laughs> and speaking of listening
0: to this movie, because I made a note, because. The score of this movie?
1: Really good.
0: Really good. Also, I'm pretty sure De Palma stole it for Scarface. It sounds so
1: much like... De Palma like... did Scarface?
0: Yeah, Brian De Palma made Scarface. What the fuck? Yeah, you didn't know that? No. Yes, dude. Also, Scarface is the most 80s film ever made. Really? Everyone should watch that movie. It is so 80s. It I is don't ungodly. I I would say that. Randy, there's a montage that has, Take it to
1: the lake. No, no not, I'm not gonna Maybe? say that it's not 80s that everybody should watch it i'm not sure about that <laughs>
0: and, you know, just just watch the montage you will understand what i mean
1: yes but you think he ripped the score from this movie i think that? so
0: i think it sounds so similar like if if somebody owes somebody some fucking money that's all i'm saying <laughs> but the music in this is so good really and also good. the use of beethoven in
1: the film i'm, I'm not a classical music guy you know, but it's be- it's like one of the most famous pieces of classical moving uh, of classical mus- Muzak. music music music. Yeah, classical music <laughs> is Beethoven's Ninth. Like you say, Beethoven's Ninth, and people have like a people that don't care almost at all about classical music, or like they kind of got an idea of what you're talking about, They're or like, oh, they, yeah. they might be like, "The fuck is," they
0: it? be like, "Dun dun 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 dun," dun and it's like, "Oh, right, fuck, yeah. of
1: course, Yeah. That's
0: fuck Beethoven's Ninth, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly." But what well, I just love the use of it in the film, and also how. It's it's, like it becomes its own theme. Yeah, and it's not just um, brushed away. And also the thing, going back into the theme of the film, is music as an expression of one's humanity. And, you know, oh, they've tainted uh, Beethoven's Ninth, and they've thus tainted his humanity. And we know he has his, quote-unquote, his um, humanity, or at least his his free will back mm-hmm. once they're able to play, and he doesn't, like, freak oh, out. you
1: know what? Th- that They had the same theme in Shawshank Redemption. Oh yeah, they I did. didn't think about that. Yeah, they had the same theme in Shawshank Redemption*, where he's like, "I'm I'm still human because I still have music. They can't take music away from me."
0: And in this, they take music they away take from the him. They take
1: the music away from him, and he becomes less human.
0: He becomes a Clockwork Orange. Is that is that, that what that's they, the whole the metaphor? Name? Yeah. Oh, so, God. Well, it's the <laughs> thing because I'm, I always
1: wondered why it was called Clockwork Orange.
0: So the, here, here's the deal. On, on the surface, you know, oh, you see the orange, and it's sweet and natural and subtle. but if you tear it apart, then it's just clockwork inside, right? Yeah. Oh, on the surface, this is a human who is, you know, natural and whole, but if you open it up after the Ludovico, he's clockwork. He's not human. He's, he's, a, um, he's a
1: simulacrum. He's a
0: simulacrum, you know? He's a machine because he has no choice. Mm-hmm. And so, clockwork orange. It's one of those weird metaphors that once... Exp- it's, it's a weird metaphor that also um, is like a Cockney slang term, I was really. like, oh, that boy's as uh, weird as a clockwork orange. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, he looks normal, but he's a little weird on the inside. Yeah, depending. yeah, he's not
1: right on the inside. Um, Real quick, though, while we're talking about the symbolism of the clockwork orange, how do you feel about that book cover with, like, the flames and the screaming guy? Because uh, that's the
0: one I own. Yes. I think it's a horrible cover. It's
1: fucking awful, it's, isn't it? I it, know this is a huge tangent, but... Y- yeah. That shit looks terrible, right?
0: It, it is the... That, the book I have of it is of that publication run. We're looking at it. It's, oh, this was in the Photoshop era of book covers.
1: Oh, we're still in that era. We're, yeah, but we're this still was in that this era. Is like
0: the beginning We're on that, where it's like Photoshop three. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this, it's not a great cover. There's a lot of good versions of this book that look way better. I prefer any of the other ones. So, but there, there's that tangent. Look for any other copy except the one with the flames and the guy screaming on it. Because it, it doesn't make any sense. It's, there's, you don't see a guy on fire in the entire book. It's foolish.
1: Well, false advertising. If you don't see him, you would read about him.
0: Shut the fuck up, <laughs> Shut the, shut the fuck up, you illiterate asshole. Uh, but, um. Another. Oh,
1: there's also, there's also themes about, like, parenting in this movie, too. Yeah. About I, his parents, about, like, nature versus nurture. Are, are his parents
0: good? I don't. Because it feels to me they're not even they're not very attentive. He hasn't been to school in a week, and they don't really seem to care all that
1: much. I think they kind of know that their kid is like up to no good. I mean, they already know he's up to no good because he has like a social worker. Yeah, he had he has like a basically like a parole officer. Yeah, who, who punches him in the dick randomly. Do you think okay? Do you think
0: his parole officer is like abusing him? Do you think that was a thing that was happening with Mister Deltoy?
1: I don't. I don't think it was that okay, me, kind of abuse. Let me lay it
0: out, you know. Deltoid, he's waiting in the the inner sanctum of the house. Not waiting in the foyer, waiting in the parents' bedroom. Yes. You know, Alex comes in, he's in his fucking underwear, and doesn't seem to think anything of it. And Mr. Deltoy's like, Oh, mm, yes, Alex, yes. Also, he talks just like that. Yes, he does. And then, you know, takes him in bed, puts his arms around him, gets all friendly, and they, they fall back into the bed. And then suddenly, Deltoid tries to just... Cool him on the balls <laughs> at
1: the height of deltoid's like performance of, of his lifetime um punches him in the dick that's a, i mean honestly Randy, come on. that that seems really good the way <laughs> deltoid like goes through that whole sequence
0: and it's all done great. in like one fucking shot too yeah, which is really, really impressive
1: yeah he fucking nails
0: it also it's one of those things and also deltoid just seems so slimy and he is the um representation of the authority. And that that also goes into the other thing. Like well, this film feels so anti authoritarian across the board.
1: Yeah, but it also displays the Frank, who's trying to like fight totalitarianism as just another side of the same coin. Mm-hmm. He is merely using Alex Delarge for his own his for his own gain at the same time. He wants to uh, drive him to suicide to A, gain closure for his wife's death, and B, get the government to stop doing the Ludovico treatment, too.
0: And, and also basically push a, a political... Yeah, a
1: political agenda.
0: Yeah, which again, movie's a lot smarter than just, like, dumb crime movie, right? It's starting
1: to get a little, a little webby here, you know? Like, the interconnectivity is starting to get a little... It's like fucking Dark Souls map, you know? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now, the, the other one, um, because...
0: Another point, like, the music, Singing in the Rain, which is, like, this really pretty love song. Yeah, it's a, one of the most famous, like, show tunes of all time. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, you know, bring in... It's like, that's in the movie. And it, it was improvised by um, uh, Malcolm McDowell. McDowell on the day. And... But when it comes in, it's, it's also used as kind of, like, a, a signal, you know, where Alex sings it, and that's the only way the guy remembers him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's so interesting how all the bits of music in the movie play into how the plot unfolds. Yeah. You know, and it's also used at the credit sequence where it's, you know, singing in the rain. Do you, do you think there's any significance that Kubrick interwove that into the film after this bit of improvisation? Oh,
1: I'm sure he fucking loved it and ran right with it. (laughs) Like, like sure. Like I'm I'm sure he, after um, Malcolm McDowell did that, he was like, Oh, I need to use that. He's like, we're, we're doing that. Well, he's like, okay, like this, that's going to play out here and here, and we're going to make it a thing. Yeah, because I feel
0: it also shows the dichotomy of Alex sings this like really pretty, you know, it's a song about love as he's brutally assaulting like a woman. Yeah. And then it like, oh, it comes up again as he's like relaxing and it's like, oh, it's a song that when people, usually when people think about it, it's, like, oh, it's all like nice and smiles and it's causing this huge trauma to another individual. To Frank. To Frank. And I wonder if... Kubrick is trying to use that as a means to show, like, the dichotomy of of people, you know. Because um, at the beginning of the movie, when it's doing that long pull-out, that long, um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a zoom-out, we see on the both sides of the Corovin Milk Bar, we see, like, oh, hippies and, like, guys in military costumes. We see, um, like, a gang of men and a gang of women. We see, like, one black guard, one white guard as they're, like, all lined up. And it's it, it feels like Kubrick is making a distinct point of showing the like two sides of humanity yeah you know the underbelly and like the surface and how they all kind of intermingle you know and how stuff i guess yeah i just want to no,
1: bring it up no it, it shows through like the whole movie like everything is shown as two sides to the same coin i think it like kind of rounds out to just about like everything in the movie almost is, is shown that way. I mean, there's, like, the politicians where, or there's, like, um, the doctors and the politicians and, like, a lot of the characters in this movie where they're appearing to try and do good, right? Yeah. And some of their ideas seem good on the surface. Good on paper. Good on paper. But when you think about them, and in practice, they don't seem to be working out all that well, no matter how hard they try in, in any direction the 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 whole commentary
0: on aversion therapy that is the Ludovico treatment is, is a big thing where oh that sounds good on paper and then you extrapolate like logical ends mm-hmm. or like even and like even the logical ends where it's like oh well if we do this then he can't be intimate anymore if he does this then he can't defend himself in self defense and that's not even going into the whole philosophical argument that the movie's really getting at of well. You know, if he can't even choose to do bad, can he even choose to do good? Yeah. If he has no choice, which the
1: the, the pastor brings up, the, the minister, yeah, minister, yeah.
0: And that's the thing, you know. Humanity is two is two sides of a coin. You know, mm-hmm. we are good and we are evil. We are yin and we are yang. And what makes us good or bad is the choices we make.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I would say that, like the minister himself would argue that in order to be able to do good, you have to be able to make bad choices you have to just choose not to. Which is, like, I think, like, 90% of, like, the Protestant, like, idea of Christianity. <laughs> Pretty much, you <laughs> is know. Is that, like, you choose to do... It's, you, you're not determined to always do good. You are determined to do the good you can, you know? The, to choose to do good whenever you can.
0: Yeah, your your morality is... There's also another thing they I think they bring up. If you up. can't it's the ever s- do
1: bad you know can you do
0: any good and there's also points brought up about it in society Mm because i think there's a whole like this society that it's built up is quote-unquote like dystopian yeah it feels like a kind of like a totalitarian government it feels everything is like looks like a fucking soviet block really and i wonder if that's also a thing of oh this is kind of like a uh stalin-esque dictatorship we just see it we just don't see that it's in the background
1: well, but the thing is that they're talking about the polls and voting.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess. So it's, it's
1: not totalitarian. It, but they're they do say they're it. voting
0: out the government. So it's like, wait, if they lose the, the thing, the whole government just switches? Like, are they just going to shoot oh, the fucker? Oh, well,
1: they, <laughs> No, here's the thing, you know, it's that they do this, that same shit here in America, you know, yeah. where it's just like, oh, they're going to vote out the whole government, you know, everything <laughs> will change with your vote, you know, oh. or, or the world's going to fucking go on fire depending on who you vote for. Yada yada. If you vote for me, everything will be fine. If you yeah, vote for the I, other guy, you're fucked. <laughs> I,
0: I get it. I, I understand. I understand.
1: But I just, I just think you know how this
0: society, in, in terms of the movie, determines what is good and bad is also another thing because with this virgin therapy, they're not molding somebody who will always make the morally correct choice. He's making the societal norm yes. choice, which is another whole like Bag, un- can of worms. Can of worms where it's just like, well, can you choose like? Is it good because it is true good, or is it good because that's what your government decides is good? Which what, we're not a politics what, podcast.
1: Daniel you know, what what is piety? What is being pious? I,
0: I look, Randy. I read the whole fucking chapter, and I, I ain't got dick for it. Well,
1: you. He, that's what he was talking about, though. And yeah, that. what it, is the true good? Yeah, what is the true good? What what is being? Um, is it to be to yourself, to God, to your society? You know who decides what's good? Although there, you know, there's there's a whole thing about that. There, there, there's a whole thing about the, the oh god, what is it called? The categorical imperative, you know, which is like you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I don't. I, it's one of those things where I just
0: I just bring it up because movies deep this is a very deep, deep swimming pool.
1: Yeah, like I would fucking drown in this shit. <laughs>
0: Well well before you drown, is there anything else you want to jump on to this movie? anywhere else you want to steer the menu?
1: Yeah, I want to tap the table a couple more times. Can I do that? Yeah,
0: you piece of shit. I don't know why I don't know why he does this, people.
1: <laughs> I can't stop it. The table's right there, and it's very nice to rest my arm on it and talk with my hands. <laughs> uh, God. <laughs> you have to keep that explanation in there. I, I got you. I got you.
0: <laughs> but but seriously.
1: Anything else you this want to is, roll in the movie? Um, frank's performance that character the writer yeah the writer yeah uh it's so good he's so unhinged and then uh when alex large shows back up he it's weird because he's he's almost like a cartoon
0: but he's so engaging and he's just
1: fucking going into it i've I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I know <laughs> that it seems really strange, but it's just like that completely genuine unhinged that he gets. I think sells it. Yeah, it's it's one
0: of those things. We're watching and You see this guy going all fucking in on this on this sanity break. He there is no holding back, and that that's commitment. That's commitment of a performer, mm-hmm. and every performer in this movie fucking commits. Oh yeah, I mean, well, the other one is um, the the prison guard, the one that like stands his feet oh, all the time, yes. only yells in military jargon. It's so good. What? Where okay, this guy is committed to this shit. It is also another funny bit where he goes and stamps his feet two times as he stands at attention. Calls Alex over, and Alex does it, but he jumps like he fucking skips into place. Yes, oh, he fucking
1: hops right into that shit. And uh,
0: again, the the movie is funny.
1: Like it, it's funny in in bits. It's hard to watch in others, but overall, it is a masterfully crafted movie.
0: Is this is this the AFI question now?
1: That's just gonna be. That's probably gonna be the hardest AFI question we've gone to so far.
0: Because in craftsmanship, it's a fucking masterpiece. It's a fucking
1: masterpiece. In it's themat- easily ma- top 10 material. In
0: thematics, it's a fucking, fucking masterpiece. masterpiece. easily
1: top 10 material. In terms of casual watchability, the bottom tier, bring up baby levels. Gee, which is. Well, actually, i probably watch Bring Up Baby before I'd watch this. Re- really? Is the movie <laughs> that hard of a watch? I, like, I just don't see why I would. Why I would watch this movie again without having a pen and paper ready? <laughs> without, I, I, like, literally, like, getting, you know, getting my, like, you know, wine glass of cognac, you know, a wait, nice
0: cigar be, and a pad and pencil. Be careful with that wine. You might fall into your spaghetti.
1: Oh, true. Which, so, another Alex, funny part of this movie. He <laughs> just fucking face plants right into it.
0: I, I also love the whole buildup where he's pull, bringing up the wine glass. He's, like, looking at I was like, oh, yes, beautiful bouquet. Fucking looking at it in the in the in the light, being like, "Is there any shit in here?" Oh, the red is beautiful, guys. Oh, just lovely. And he takes the
1: first sip and he's like, "Huh, that's pretty good." And, and then he, just he just fucking the chugs the whole, the whole thing.
0: thing. Uh, I I love it, love it. But yeah, I get I get what you mean because this is number seventy on on the list, mm-hmm. and in terms of yeah, casual casual watchability, it's difficult.
1: Yeah, like,
0: difficult at best. I, I can't, I can't, in good conscience, recommend this to anyone in the blind. This is a movie you recommend to people oh, who definitely are definitely not in the blind. This is this is a movie you recommend to people who you know are okay. You're you're really into movies. That's one big qualifier. You have a pretty good constitution against like watching like some fucked up shit. You're average redditor or four chan person, mm-hmm. and you you kind of want to see a masterfully crafted
1: film I don't, I don't, but i think the biggest qualifier is that you're willing to engage with the movie you're willing to dig into it you're willing to see the themes that are presented to you you're
0: you're, you're okay, willing to you're give, okay going the extra mile for the yeah, movie
1: you're willing to give not an elementary surface level watch of the movie but an analytical watch
0: which i think is really the way you should watch the film is a little bit more analytically because there's so much there.
1: The only thing is that that's, that's that's a pretty big ask. Honestly, that's a pretty like i'm willing to do it for the podcast. Yeah. But honestly on my free time, that's a huge fucking ask. <laughs> yeah, this
0: is a, this is a movie like if you like i couldn't put this on for like the boys, you know. Because it's like, that's not, that is not the crowd for that. No. You know? Well, I can watch Lord of the Rings with, with them, no fucking oh, problem. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. You know, I I could watch, like, Butch and the Sundance Kid. That that movie fucks. Orange is a little, little bit different. A little, little bit fucking different. So, but where do you want, where does it go? Because I can't really drop it out of... Yeah, you got the list somewhere. Oh yes, actually I do have the list. Our previous list Let's from our milestone some paper episode. On the, microphone. the previous list from our Milestone is episodes. Because number one for our last milestone was sunrise. And looking at the list, it's like I think this is mm you think this is better than Silence of the Lambs?
1: Okay, uh oh I was about to say that, yeah. I would put it at number nine.
0: Better than Silence of the Lambs. better, better than Her, than, better yeah, than Blade Runner.
1: I would put it I would put it about there. That's instantly where I went to. <laughs> I like how we both... I like how I, we, we both
0: glanced at the list and we're and like, yeah, yeah that's right, about right,
1: right. Right there, yeah. Top ten, but uh, it's not supplanting these other movies. I mean, pure craftsmanship.
0: Uh, look, pure craftsmanship, it's, it's in the top five.
1: I'd, pr- I'd probably put it um, number three. I'd put it above Do the Right Thing, Below 12, ranger Men, and Sunrise.
0: In, in just pure, pure craftsmanship. Pure
1: craftsmanship. If I was committed to only ever watching this movie analytically, pen and paper ready, you know, with the pause ready and everything. Oh, yeah, easily, like, top three material right there. But as it is as a whole... Including as a piece of of entertainment. It has It's got its flaws, you know? It's got its flaws. Also, I don't... Was this movie very influential to anybody? Uh, I would say so, yeah. I would say... uh, Looking at the movie. I don't movie, really know of any other movies that remind me of this that, like, have any kind of, like, oh, yeah, that, that's kind of like Clockwork Orange in any way. Like, I don't really this
0: That, like, anti hero, like, thematics of it. You know, where it's. I mean,
1: anti hero is, like. A very broad term. Well, also, like, I don't think it would really apply here. He's not, like, a. He's, like, a straight up villain. It's like, a movie
0: we just follow the bad guy. Yeah, we
1: we follow the antagonist, you know, and the protagonist is nowhere to be found.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's tr- that is true. I feel I feel you can you can bring in like pop culture impact because I've seen this like referenced on The Simpsons like a few fucking times. Oh
1: yeah, referencing, but inf- influence? in influence like like
0: pure influence, like people pointing and being like, "Oh, this is where I one for one pulled this into a movie."
1: Well, that would be reference. I'm talking about influence. Like, people took this and were like, you know what? I'm gonna do something like this with my own spin on it. Um. I'm I'm gonna take this aspect of the movie and incorporate it into my work. I mean... Uh, like, some of the camera work, I can see... This is
0: weird. I can kind of see in Sam Raimi.
1: Okay. Especially,
0: um, you know, like, the fast, like, zoom-ins or when it, you know, goes into the guy's face and it's kind of, like, shoo, just, like, zooms in. Or, like, in.
1: when he's, like, uh, when the camera, like, drags along the ground.
0: Yeah, things like that where the camera becomes the performance in yes. those moments. That's a very Sam Raimi thing.
1: Sure, yeah, I can see that. Um, I can I can
0: see a lot of... um. I can see a lot of, like, this style, this, like, dystopian style, this, like, block style. I can see that being influenced in some other films. Yeah, but I
1: don't think that's, like, a really, like, a result of this movie.
0: you you think it's just the product of... A
1: product of the times, you know? A product of, like, um, Cold War era movies, right? Like, where they have, like, they're gonna feature commie blocks occasionally, you know? To sure. comment on certain aspects of society, you know? Because, I mean, Alex DeLarge is this evil person that comes from living in a commie block.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess you could... You, you, you could,
1: could read he, it he that way. He does also
0: use straight, like, Russian slang.
1: Yeah, he uses straight Russian... I mean, you you can make... I mean, I don't think those uh, relationships are very valid, but you could definitely make them. You could string that together. Yeah, you can definitely run with that kind of interpretation. Also, isn't, isn't it the, it's like a Russian... Um, uh, what's it like? I don't remember... Like a Russian-style, like, workers-painting, like, mural in the building that they, like, Actually, drew all the dicks on? Yeah.
0: Actually, yeah, the, it, there is. It it makes me wonder, like, the... Or maybe impli- it's German. It makes... Well, either way, it makes me wonder the... He's impli- German. <laughs>
1: For
0: God's sakes. It makes me wonder the implications of the world this is taking place in. Because is it, like... Is it, like, some sort of, like, weird amalgamation of just authoritarian end of sentence or is it a little bit more specific than that
1: well maybe it's his making... mom's
0: works in a factory factory work is a very um one for one parallel of like soviet era communism
1: i it could be a commentary on i mean it could be like a, a rip of like 1984 in a sense where it's just the um british european conglomerate right i mean what what's more interesting I,
0: well, the other, I guess... Alright, here's another layer on this movie. So, all the buildings you see in the film, those are um, fascist architecture. They were literally built by Nazis while they were um, working political parties within Europe. Mm-hmm. So, they're literally fascist architecture. And that's all the buildings oh, in the movie. we
1: forgot to mention. Fucking they, they have a clip of... What was the movie again? A
0: Triumph of the Will.
1: Triumph of the Will in this movie.
0: Yeah, they literally they literally named the Nazis in mm-hmm. this movie. Uh, but... In terms of, like, influence, I, wa- I mean, it's it's incredibly acclaimed. Like, oh, nominated yeah. for Academy Awards, nominated for BAFTAs, nominated for a bunch of shit. The thing is, is, like, looking at it as a piece of, as an influence upon, like, society, it, it is a, it's a landmark. It's a landmark of pushing, like, violence in cinema. Like, expanding, like, what violence used to be. Because in 71...
1: Sure. Yeah. The the fact that this movie got released at all is a sh- is like shown as like a relaxation on the crackdown of like violence in cinema and sex, sex in and cinema. cinema.
0: I mean, this Bonnie Clyde, Easy Rider. Uh, let me, let me just look at the Wild list Bunch. that's on the screen: Wild Bunch, Not Living Dead, Dirty Harry, Straw Dogs. Like the like violence and sex in movies. Clockwork Orange is like pushing that that boundary because it's looking for the line. Like, how far can we go? Because we were... Because, like, the fucking 40s, 50s, even into the early 60s.
1: Pretty sterile.
0: Incredibly sterile. Unless like, it's, like, a, a shootout in so, a western. Everything is so chased. And even shootouts in westerns, the guy, like, grabs his chest and, and falls, falls down. falls over, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a film that I think does, like, show its influence on his sleeves in terms of pushing the medium. In terms of censorship in a different direction. Yeah, I
1: guess its influence can be seen as pretty general
0: in instead of ultra specific yeah, to Instead of specific
1: person. being like, oh yeah, this person picked up these themes and has run with them in their other movies, you know, has really picked up these elements, like the the use of Beethoven's ninth or classical music as like a You know a one theme thing? in a movie. I think
0: Blade Runner takes something from this. In terms of, you know Blade Runner's like, oh the soul and like what is humanity? This movie and the and this movie I think even goes like hand in hand with that in oh your humanity is defined by like your choices can you make choice mm-hmm. you know oh or you're just a machine man yeah. whereas in Blade Runner they are machine men you know that are
1: interested in making their own choices interested
0: in making their own choices interested in their own humanity I feel Blade Runner has some drawing from this they're both dystopian they're both I guess not dystopian but futuristic dirty gritty futures where
1: you could also science is
0: pushing the boundaries of what humanity should be pushing
1: you could also make parallel or you can also make connections to Shawshank Redemption's themes because mm-hmm. there's like um, Christianity in prison, um, the free will with music, like there there there's parallels to be made there also with Shawshank Redemption with its themes and this movie's themes. I I I feel the movie has has influence has impact. It's just not obvious.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still think the movie. In, the movie going. It should stay on the list. Oh,
1: definitely.
0: It's not coming off. I think its impact is felt. I really do think that being in the top ten films we've seen is good. I I want it to be a little bit higher, you know, in terms of like just like how good and deep and like full the movie is. But I understand that
1: it's a it's in, a complete package. You got to look at here.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a package deal. So. That's, I guess, where we come down to. Any, any, uh, any other thoughts on the movie? Well, I think about, you're um, about thought out. I'm about done up. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're about done up, you can catch us next week to finally watch the actual greatest film ever made, according to actors' polls, and that is Tootsie, starring Dustin Hoffman, directed by Sidney Pollack, and it's a comedy. It's something completely different. Uh, anything about this movie? You know anything about this one?
1: About Tootsie? No. Other than uh apparently, uh what's his name is in Dragon this movie. D- Dustin Hoffman. Dustin. D- apparently, Dustin Hoffman's in Dragon this movie, and he's fucking amazing. And I. Can't apparently, wait. he's like the be- it's like the best performance fucking ever.
0: And I've never seen it, so I'm really excited to be it to watch. But if you wanted to catch that, you can check us out anywhere you can find podcasts: Spotify, Google Podcasts, so on, and so forth, and our YouTube channel the film vault that is the film vault on youtube like comment tell us we're awful because we're awful and proud of it and uh yeah any any last words randy
1: if you had any yarbles dean you would argued for this movie to go higher on the list
0: viddy here you yobbly motherfucker i don't fucking know ballsy motherfucker i yeah. guess yeah that works yeah, all, right.
1: Sure. all right all right <laughs> nasdaq is up up to par you know you passed your nasdaq 101 course jesus christ all right everybody y'all have a self a good week have good time